Hello and welcome to Podcast Maximus, the top Lost Light Transformers podcast. I am Stuart Webb, a man who has met every living Doctor Who now, and it has broken his bank. Joining me today is a woman who, according to what Facebook told me just before we started recording, I have officially been friends with exactly five years today. It's Marion. Hello, Stuart. Nice to be friends with you. And a man that Facebook told me right before we started recording is my enemy and must be killed. That's what happens when you leave Facebook, Tom. It's Tom McNally. I regret nothing. Death will be glorious. It's lucky you're not a TF Nation. It would have just been a bloodbath. I know. And we're here today uh, to talk about a massive four issues of Lost Lights uh, due to a combination of me being off meeting all the Doctor Who's and them releasing an issue once every two days. We, just, we haven't been able to keep up. So it's, it's going to be a big one today. Are we, are we ready for it? We, we are ready. And we, you know, we still have Mondays 2 to look up to. Eight issues those guys did in, in one episode. Eight. We we can manage half that. We can do it. Quality is better than duration as well. But that's, a bit, that's a bit rude. Stuart, are you making a sex joke? Uh, no. I'm a sophisticated man, Tom. I don't go for simple innuendos. Uh, before before lengthy issues we are here to talk about today are written by James Roberts, all of them. He managed to find time for that. Uh, but the artists, uh, well, all the colours by Joanna Lafiente. Why do I read out the credits when I check me every day? <laughs> Lafiente. Uh, Maya. Uh, lettered by Tom B. Long. Edited by David Marietti. And uh, the art across all four of them is on issue 19 by our old dear friend DJ Sue. Woo. Uh, on 19, Casey Collar on 20, Jack Lawrence on 21, and Brendan Calhill on 22. And that already feels like quite a long podcast, doesn't it? <laughs> that, that is an impressive group of artists. Yeah. Have they ever all been in the same room together? <gasps> the same convention. Mm, no. We should have the Lost Light episodes at 19 to 22 oh, convention. That would be amazing. I've never oh. been in the same room as EJ Sue. This makes me sad. I don't know what we need to do to lure him to a convention, <laughs> but we must happen. Uh, I think uh, Jack's the only one who's done a, a British convention, isn't he? Uh, I don't think I've met any of the others at all. I have, um, but I haven't met them in the UK. I met at TFCon. Oh, no. Um, sorry, Casey Scholar has been to Auto Assembly. I met Casey here. Yes, yeah. Sorry, yes. It's... But I met uh, Brendan Cahill at TFCon Chicago two years ago. Yes, Jack has been to TF Nation for a couple of years now, and he's there uh, this year as well. And uh, Joanna has been at the Auto Assembly as well. So uh, we open with what is going to be a, a trend for these early issues, uh, the return of a recap, because there's a lot of exposition to start with. <laughs> and since we're talking about recap and lettering and all of that, let's give Tom Belong a shout out as well um, for his, uh, his excellent underappreciated work on all of these issues. Yeah, there's a lot of good tricks from the kind of like the hissing vomit and the screaming and the moves and the, the shouts and the, the best thing. You know, you know what I'm talking about in issue 19, the best lettering. Oh, is that him though? Are you talking about Grimlock? I'm talking about Grimlock. Ah, that was EJ. Was that EJ? Yeah. Okay, well, well, Tom's good too. Tom is, Tom is. <laughs> 
Tom is excellent. Okay, Stuart, carry on. Uh, so, um, part 19 is mainly about bringing all the disparate characters together in one place at one time. Uh, some of them are zombies. They're, not, they're having all that a great time since the last time we saw them. <laughs> but there is a hell of a lot of uh, people explaining what they've been up to over the course of the issue. Uh, whilst running away and uh, killing minor characters we've not seen in two years. Bye bye, Blue Streak. Nobody cared. Nobody cared. Oh, mainframe. Mainframe had a whole story, didn't he? He was here, doubts. Blue Streak had... Was Blue Streak killed? He, look, he looks pretty dead to me. He gets a... Two. Oh, okay. Well, he had an avatar and everything, Blue Streak. He had his moment. There's a lot of characters across this arc who you would perhaps expect to have turned up to play a role who uh, sort of got rid of off-page. Pretty, pretty sharpish. At least Blue Streak uh, get, gets an on-screen death and, like, poor old Terminus. <laughs> yeah... Oh, well, yeah. we we assume, yeah, we we are told, we are told he's dead. He didn't get his comeuppance. I want to know what happened in the other universe. Hmm. Where they said that uh, actually this teleporter doesn't work, but really it does, and the teleporter went to a spike pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's build, let's build the story of what happened to Terminus. <laughs> Death by teleporter. Uh, in some of the recaps, it seems like. Um, these probably would have been issues if there'd been more issues to fill. Mm. Uh, there, there are places in this where it does feel like, oh, this is what he was absolutely planning all along, but there are a few places across uh, these four issues where it feels like it's uh, vamping a bit to cover for changes in the plan, but they may have lost uh, some issues somewhere along the way, or it's not gone on for as long as he was perhaps expected, because it's... Uh, Characters sort of turned up and give a breathless, massive dialogue balloon again. Well, we found Grimlock here, and we went here, and then we did this, and then we did that. And the Spark Eaters are just sort of floating there, not attacking us to give us a time to, to recap all this important information. Very. <laughs> I love it. I mean, the way, the way Sue draws it is so funny. And the way everybody's had body language, they're kind of just sort of flapping around. Um, it seems like they are, yeah, they, they, they look breathless um, with their own kind of expressions, like Riptide's looking worried, First Aid's looking very adamant. Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I, I think these stories are improved by being a comedy recap. Yeah, I, I, I was very fond of the Misfire Swerve team up mm. and the whole um, summary execution jokes and that. <laughs> It was, yeah, I liked it. I think uh, we've we've hit the point now where you know there's no no shame in it. Uh, we've got you know two issues left. We don't have time for this nonsense. We're just gonna have to do a little bit of this um, in your face, and let's get on with it. Yes, and then there's just the implication in that like none of that was actually very important. Yeah, or you know, you know it we could have, we could have made it important, but we didn't. Let's move on. Yeah, yeah. We, there's only yeah. This is the we've got something. We've got this kind of ball. We've got this like bucket of importance, and this is where we're slopping it out. The team has earned the trust by this point. Uh, Red VR would have liked if if they'd had a because they do it later on in the four issues. There's a couple of uh, flashback panels to accompany exposition, which helps break it up a little bit. Whilst uh, maybe his first couple of arts, it is just all massive. I mean, the swerve and uh, 
Misfire stuff, he's playing it for laughs. There's also quite a lot of just straight up. This is what I did in the last time you saw me. Uh, big speech balloons. But uh, I love the swerve of Misfire stuff. Well, one thing that puzzled me is that uh, when uh, the protector bots, what's left of them, and uh, Grimlock arrive, they brought Wipeout with them. Oh, yeah. Which. I, every time I was reading these four issues, uh, again, for, for the podcast, every time Wiper popped up in a panel, I forgot that he'd been in the comic. And I was like, oh, yeah, Wipeout is in this. I I'm not really sure why he's come along. Everybody's favourite, Wipeout. When you say the Protector Boards, the Protector Boards and Grimlock, you basically mean First Aid, Thunder Clash, Grimlock, right? There are other Protector Bots, uh, apart from Rook, are still there, aren't they? What happened to... Fair. They stayed behind on the lost light. Yeah, they're spark eaters or dead. <laughs> oh. I like to think that Riptide is an honorary protector bot at this point. Oh. You, you need a sea rescue. Oh, yeah, but he's was he mutiny a two or mutiny a one? So okay, should we do like um, should we just say straight up? Bear in mind we're reviewing all four issues here, so we were at the end of um, twenty two. So if you're okay. listening to this, we are spoiling everything. So uh, if you haven't read all of them, just don't listen to this podcast. Come back when you have. Uh, but basically, what is going on here is that we've got those guys on Madiri. Getaway attacks them. Uh, right before this happens, though, or rather in the middle of this happening, Getaway attacks them with Spark Eaters. Then um, the, uh, the escaped uh, aforementioned first stage um, and um, Clash, Riptide, and those guys turn up. Uh, Grimlock um, mashes onto the ground in a very fantastic way. And uh, then there's a bit of chatting. Um, and then, <laughs> anyway, Getaway attacks again. Uh, Rodimus takes stock, decides, okay, this is what we're going to do here. So, although you guys are all going to go back into Madeira, you're going to find a way to uh, cure the Spark Eaters. I'm going to take the strong guys and we're going to go up on the Lost Light and we're going to try to distract Getaway. Um, whilst you do your thing. So they do. They go up on the lost light. Meanwhile, we find out Getaway has been talking to Tyrus. A big reveal, surprise, or rather Tyrus hologram, who seems a little bit off. Um, He doesn't seem to be quite himself somehow. He's a bit standoffish and a bit uh, sort of distracted and clearly working for the Grand Architect. He also doesn't seem to, to remember who Megatron is. Yeah, he seems a little bit that guy, that other guy. You said he was uh, he was the biggest threat. That guy, the big guy, big. Guy. <laughs> he maybe met he meant uh, Rook. He's like, where's Rook? He's a dangerous Rook. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, Rodimus um, gets up to the Lost Light with um, Cyclonus, Ultra Magnus, Drift, uh, Anod and Lug, and Whirl. Did I forget anyone? Oh, Roller was there as well. Ultra Magnus? Yeah. Ultra Magnus? Uh, all those guys who get trapped uh, just underneath the oil reservoir, um, which we've been seeing get away through a lot of interest in. We know it's full of scraplets. Um, the ceiling collapses in on them. They all get covered in oil. I, I would hate that to happen to me, man. How do they get that off them? Sounds awful. Anyway, that wasn't the worst bit of that, though, because the oil is full of scraplets. Combine a scraplets, trying to eat them. Uh, up to the point where they spot Whirl. 
Dun dun! Anyway, back in the main room, there is the big fight between Rodimus and Getaway. Um, they, they have their one to one. Uh, we can get back to all of this. Anyway, Rodimus wins. We'll we'll come back to all of this, <laughs> the details of all of this. They all take, they save the spark eaters down on Madeira. They all get on board the Lost Light. Then um, some kind of rift in the universe opens in the sky. Turns out this rift, um, now at the same time as the rift opens, or is it on the other side? No, yeah, they get sucked into it. And on the other side is an army of world sweepers and five Cybertrons, five familiar Cybertrons that looked exactly like the ones in Drift's vision. They land on one of the Cybertrons, then the Grand Architect uh, turns up, uh, who um, whose lieutenants are, I should mention, Scorponok was in there somewhere as well. His lieutenants and us who have been Scorponok, uh, Ty Rast, and Flame. And the uh, Grand Architect is, surprise, surprise, it's Pharma, or someone that looks like Pharma. Pharma! Talk! Uh, and kill Scorponok, because Scorponok raised his voice and started questioning him. Anyway, it turns out the Grand Architect has maneuvered everybody there because he's waiting for a big bad to come through that rift. Um, Actually, in fact, what the Grand Architect uh, says is he's been here before. Uh, he's been into the future before. He knows what's going to happen. The big bad is going to come, and he's going to find a way to push him into another dimension, and that's the only way he can keep everyone safe. Except what he actually does is he opens a gateway to another dimension, brings the big bad in so he can then push the big bag right back out, which, as Scorponok rightly points out, makes no sense whatsoever, and uh, gets killed for his trouble. Um and just as everyone's waiting for the big band to see who it is, uh, lots of ships start coming through the portal. One of them is very lost light looking, and it turns out to be Megatron coming in from the Functionist universe. After a big cliffhanger at the end of that issue, we find out that, no, he wasn't the big bad after all. He was just being chased by the big bad. The big bad is Primus. Oh. No, it's not Primus. It's ah. Cybertron. <laughs> They transform Cybertron into Primus because that's not Primus at all. Because Primus is dun dun dun, someone who's been living among us all this time, unknown even to himself. Is it Wipeout? No, no, shit, it's not. Oh. Anyway, it turns out <laughs> that's not a farm after all. Oh my god. Who is it? Who is it? It's the Grand Architect. Well, what does that mean? He's not Pharma. The Grand Architect isn't Pharma. It's just someone in Pharma's body, but who is he, who is he, who is he? He's Adaptus, one of the guiding hand. And Rodimus is all like, yeah, whatever, I don't even care at this point. And he's like, no, but you should care because you succeeded, you found the whole of the guiding hand. And Rodimus is like, um, duh, we haven't found anybody. And he's like, no, yeah, you did. You found the Necrobot, who is Mortalus, the god of death. You found Solomus, who is Tares, standing right here next to you. You found Epistemus, who we knew, actually. Well, we didn't know. Yeah, we did know. Uh, he's around uh, Nicol's uh, neck as the Magnificence. Primus, the real Primus, who is dun-dun-dun. Rung. <laughs> the bell that rung forever. And and this is and all of this has been uh, the Grand Architect's plot to defeat the fake Cybertron Primus, who we should say is actually Cybertron from the Functionist universe. is something the Functionists did. Uh, but when they finally went completely insane and decided to kill all organic life in the universe, 
turns out that Megatron has come back into the past via the Warren. Um, and sorry, he's been traveling in the past and the future in the alternate universe via the Warren, along with the Functionists, trying to stop them all this time. In the meanwhile, he's become a medic. Uh, he gets praised rather comically by everybody around him for having saved so many lives. Um, but he feels he just hasn't done enough. Um, and uh, yeah, trying to stop the Functionists. So it turns out it's been centuries since we last saw Megatron in his world. Uh, although it's been like only three, four weeks in hours. So lots of things have happened in the Functionist universe. Lots of people have died, um, including that world's rung and Pax. Dead. Dead, you guys. Because we would have expected him um, to show up, wouldn't we? That's, uh, that was one of uh, we, uh, we don't have time for this. I'm very guys. glad he didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, it would have been weird. So, out of all of these guys, have you noticed how conveniently none of them exist in our world? What do you mean? What? what as, all the guys who come which, with which Megatron. All the guys who come in with Megatron from the Functionist Universe. <laughs> oh, right. It's like 9 or 12 and Clicker and... Uh, who else has he got? Uh, other people. So somebody said they saw Glitch. Uh, and I'm not sure if he actually is no, present No, it was not. 9 or 12. It wasn't Glitch. I thought it was uh, Glitch for a moment, but no, it's not. Um, that would have been exciting. That would have been very exciting. Um, so, yeah, all this time, the Grand Architect has been maneuvering everything. You remember the, um, the uh, Old Order were on maneuvers? Oh, wait, hang on, that clicked. That's... I was... I was... Assuming that was the the Omega Sentinels, who I guess may still kind of oh, be yeah. lurking, but um, that may, yeah. So if the old order is the guiding hand, mm. and the most active of those is um, is Adaptus, mm. then yeah, he's the old order. He's on maneuvers. He's <laughs> literally moving five <laughs> planets yeah. through a uh, across a spiritual ley line. Yeah, yeah. The curator has the baby, by the way, uh, mm. conveniently tucked away. Uh, this is uh, Scorponok's baby, for everyone who's forgotten. Yes, poor old Scorponok, you'll never get to see his kid grow up. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, that's sad. He was thinking about the baby just before he died as well. He was like, oh, now I've got the baby. I don't know why I'm doing all this, following orders. So all the things that the Grand Architect's been doing, um, he's created the sen the sorry not the Sentinels. What are those guys called? The newborns that. Um, oh, the Infinite. The Infinite. So he's got a whole army of them. He's got a whole mm. army of them. He's infiltrated the Black Block Consortia. They are all his yeah. creations as well. Um, and um, who were the third ones? There were three armies that he had right there. Oh, uh, Galactic Council were they? Well, never got beaten off, did it, mate? No, so I, uh... They weren't his, were they? The Galactic Council were things, the people he had to get rid of. Hmm. Um, and the World Sweepers. Yeah, the World Sweepers. I think that's it, isn't it? So he, um, he's... Who... All of this to fight oh, Primus, yeah? Who he brings yeah. in... Well, the fake Primus. He brings into the universe. Who wouldn't have come if he hadn't done this. He says he's left enough clues to the Functionists to lure them here. And Megatron later says, well, yeah, we've been reading all the secret writings of Epistemus, um, the Functionists have, so they knew that this was going to happen. And It was, it was the, the book of Adaptus. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, sorry, oh, Adaptus. I did not make that connection. Yeah, yeah, the, sorry, the book of Adaptus. Yeah, so he's basically made this happen. And he's killed a lot of people doing it as well. He's cleared out uh, 
the expanse. So he's, he's yeah, the whole the whole so of the the whole of the benzene cluster, right? Yeah. So yeah, he's destroyed all the planets of people in there to uh, to bring in and presumably killed the whole black block consortia, which is like half of the galaxy. Yeah. Wow. Replaced them all with his uh, uh, pretenders. He's basically done the functions job for them. Yes. Yeah. The black block consortia exists to promote organic kill. life. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, hmm. Okay. That's interesting. And what he's done is uh, create all five Cybertrons to kill pri- the fake Primus with a god gun, which because LOL. The Cybertron was pre-installed with a mining laser, yeah, anti-astro gun. But it had to be in precise oh, yeah. condition, right? But all he does is open the the hole to the other dimension, and then Primus destroys the gun. And then he seems really, you know, unfazed by this. Well, he also is expecting Primus to turn around and leave. He says he saw that as a young man. That he chased him away, or that he yeah. pushed him into another dimension. Yeah. Yeah, but the, no. the opposite happens. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he saw. Yeah, he only saw the uh, Primus come through the rift, and then he ran away to the into the Warren. Okay. But I'm not sure. Is that I'm not sure if that's supposed to be farmer. Saw that before he got grabbed. It's by very unclear at this point. So if it was Adaptus who saw it, or both of them together. Yeah, well, yeah I think there's, a, there's another another penny to drop on, uh, on Adaptus. He says he's been he he's down there right now, so presumably he's one of the other characters. But when well, he, yeah, mm. is he down on Madiri? Because they like that's when Primus is crushing Madiri. Well, he, he says, I am down there right now trying to make sense of the enormity in the situation right before I turn around and run back into the Warren. Yeah, mm. I, mean, I read that as, as the Warren had spat him out on there, just there. Yeah, he says the Warren deposited it. So ran away again. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, but, yeah, okay, you're right. So perhaps he's not one of the people. He's somewhere out there. Well, yeah, the only person who's... It's, it's like, that makes me think of skits. Yeah, I thought of that. Um, but Skids never saw Primus in that moment. Yeah, absolutely didn't. Unless, uh, unless, because, uh, yeah, because Adaptus even talks about seeing Skids. Like, oh, someone came into oh, my the, mind. Uh, oh, there's, a, there's another thing, right? Yeah, he said, I saw Skids run in. But do you know what he says? He says to Tyras, you did not open a portal to Cyber Utopia. You opened the portal into my mind. Hmm. So he... he Skids didn't walk on the actual Cybertrons. He walked into his mind. Yeah. So he, when he says, I spoke, to, like, I saw the person walk in, so that ball of light that we saw, it was not Adaptus's form. It was Adaptus's head. Yeah, his intelligence. Is... Yeah, so that was what was in his brain at the time, you know, the planets, and the, that was what he was yeah. thinking of, or similar yeah, to what... Is... Kind of what Sander says, right? So when he says when he infiltrated his mind, he said, I could only see the recent memories. So what Skid saw, yeah, was not a real place. It was just someone's memory of a thing. Or someone's anticipation of a thing. Mm. I mean, uh, the inference is that uh, the adapters of Matrava have merged with Skids. Uh, but I think he tried to grab him and he ended up grabbing, grabbing Farmer instead. That's right. Yeah, so... What so the story so Adaptus was running or got lost in the Warren, which seems like an odd thing for Adaptus to do, seeing how proficient uh Mortalus is at using the Warren. 
Uh, he doesn't though. Mortalus didn't use the warrant. He used the briefcase. Oh, to, to, he used the briefcase to travel through time, right? But when yeah. he was being the necrobot, he was jumping from place to place. Has that been confirmed as the warrant, or was that just him? Was no, that just a, a more mundane teleportation. No, the warrant was something that Gateway introduced us to, and he said it was something that I think. Did he say that Arrest had theorized? On. I, I would have, yeah. But it, it seems, and so... Are you just assuming okay. they were the same thing? Well, yeah, I guess uh, just, it seems parsimonious that the Guiding Hand have this thing. They've got the Warren. And they all use the Warren in some way. I guess um, the Magnificence uses the Warren to see everything. Um, Mortless uses the Warren to go visit the dying and dead. Adaptus uses the Warren to make his big plans, and uh, Primus has, I guess, forgotten about the Warren. Uh, Tyrest uses the Warren to try and get into people's heads, and well, not um, on purpose. Primus isn't doing anything. Yeah, not on purpose. He's got some kind of weird. After he drills into his head, he dislodges something or does. But it, it's easy to recontextualize Tyrest's um, mad plans as being as, as sort of reliving some old forgotten idea. Do you know what, now that you said the head thing, and do you think that's why Rang doesn't remember? He keeps, he keeps getting hit in the head, man. <laughs> he gets his head blown off. <laughs> um, he's, he gets, he's had a tough time with it. Even as far back as Elegant Chaos, right? He gets knocked out in a dark oh, yeah, alley. By, by Brainstorm, yeah. yes. Ooh. <laughs> All these blows the head. He's I would like have been, that would have been... Yeah, a bit uh, too easy, but it's quite funny. Get on the head with a bowling ball. Yeah. <laughs> you have a psychiatrist. One thing I didn't notice is that uh, when uh, Cyclonus, not Cyclonus, uh, when Rome transforms uh, after seeing the Magnificence, everybody suddenly goes, oh, have you ever noticed that when he transforms, it makes you feel younger? Yeah. I was thinking, you, you could have mentioned that before. That's a bit of a convenient thing to drop five pages before the big reveal. Well, especially because Swerve Swer is the only person there who's seen him transform before, and Swerve is the one who says that, right? No, because, uh, you know, when they're in Skip? Yeah. There's a, a lovely little detail when uh, Rang has transformed so he doesn't take up any space. Because um... he's a compassionate god. Um, I, you know, it, 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 I mean, it is very poetic if you did know that the god himself has um, dedicated himself to helping people as a, a lowly nobody, um, seen and, you know, noticed by no one. Hmm. But, yeah, I guess I guess we need to know, did he choose this life as a psychiatrist? Yeah, is this his godly purpose? Mm. Or did he just kind of drift into that, just believing he was... So it, 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 I'd be very surprised if Rong... He's cognizant of him being Primus. <gasps> Do you know what just, I just realised? The Functionists mm. all this time worshipped God and then they crucified him. Oh, no. Classic. <laughs> Classic blunder. I wonder now if uh, was wrong behind all the stuff. What sort of godlike powers does he have that he doesn't know about? Was he behind the stuff that was happening on Skip? Because... Uh, they never really established she was making Ratchet turn translucent and tricky things. Oh my things. god, he was, he was transformed. He was in his alt mode. 
uh, you know, respectfully, not taking up much space, and then a load of weird shit started happening. <laughs> oh, dude, that might work. Uh, yeah, we've solved the mystery. Of course. So, well, here's this weird thing. So he try, he gets compelled by the magnificence, this old chum, who I, I guess they don't like very much, I don't know, um, to transform. Maybe the magnificence did it on purpose. Maybe something happens, like good happens when he transforms. So maybe it was planned. Yes. Oh, so there's two things which are weird. Ron's now missing his arm very conspicuously. Yeah. It's chewed off by a zombie, or vomited off by mm. a zombie. He's now transformed his alt mode. We've, done, we've seen his alt mode in lots of different forms over the years, mm. but uh, it looks intact. Mm. But then by the next issue, he's sitting in the cell mm. in his robot form again. Yeah, he's still missing the arm, but it, it, yeah. he doesn't appear incomplete in his uh, alt mode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 an odd staging how he transforms. It's kind of a big, interesting moment. But then Megatron kind of steals the show, and when we see him again, he's just chilling. This direction. Hmm. And of course, the biggest mystery of all, which was, and a lot of people suspected, but we didn't know what that might mean, is when they land on Luna One and the sparks ignite. And it's Rodimus and Rung on the uh, landing at the same time. Rodimus assumes it's him, so obviously now it's Rung. A lot of people had suspected this, but, you know, the reasons why were a bit... Yeah, and it's it's just... It's, the whole series has just this great, simple, classic misdirection. Right from page one, we're going to find the Knights of Cybertron. The Knights of Cybertron are very important. Oh, oh, there's this dumb fairy tale about the Guiding Hand... That's sort of interesting, but anyway, the Knights of Cybertron are the, and then it, the way it does that switcheroo is just—that's how so, you can really believe it was there from the beginning. It was a master plan. It's—it's just—it's just very simple and very effective and very consistent. And of course, Rodimus uh, says earlier on when he, he feels he's got somebody watching over him. Who uh, he, well, he says Drift says there's somebody watching over, him, but he finally believes that uh, after Scorponok gets beamed away. So maybe maybe Rung has been looking after him with his magic powers <laughs> all along. Do you think maybe Rung brought Tailgate there? What's what, how extensive you know his things that he doesn't know he can do? Mm, it, the fact that Tailgate is important, so the Magnificent says they need Rodimus. They need Rung, Ratchet, and Telgate. So that means Telgate being there was important to the Magnificence, if nothing else. Mm. So again, did that have anything to do with them ending up on Madiri? Um, they've all had, yeah, they've all, uh, well, Rung, I mean, Ratchet and Telgate had these brushes with death. What's happened to Rodimus most recently? Uh, well, he's found his own body before. Would that count as a brush with death? Well, mm. he died in the alternate last life, but I don't think I don't think mu nothing much has happened. But Drift has always told him he's important to this. Yeah, he he was he did have a connection with the Matrix. And this is the this is yeah I guess this is something that's going to come. What is the Matrix now in well, the context of all of this? Yeah. And um, what are these visions? Everyone's been having visions. Um, Drift had very uh, explicit visions, but the, the sort of the, the rumbling that the Grand Architect puts out, the prepare, confront, repel, the telepaths picking up on that, that's something, there's, there's a kind of a mechanism to that. 
Mm. And uh, so I guess it's something that the Nicrobot had access to when he sent out that warning pulse. I put poor old Rift, he's on the wrong ship at the end. He'd much rather be hanging around with Primus, wouldn't he? <laughs> Have they interacted at all? Yeah. Um... Hmm. You know, I, I can't think of anything specific. Uh, I, uh, he... Season one, more likely. I don't think they have since the return. Hmm. Griff did join in in that story to try and uh, put Run back together. Hmm. I think that was about their main... Uh, in... <laughs> they weren't really talking in that scene. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do, do we have any other big mysteries solved here? Just trying to think what else is still at play. Okay, yeah, what the what the matrix is, how the magnificence works. What happened to the functionists in the normal universe is still kind of being tiptoed around. Mm. Yeah, there's some missing. Uh, they're not all there. Mm. Well, yeah, what happened to the, the, the missing functionists? What did they get Reading up? between the lines and thinking that maybe they got, you know, uh, once they'd found Vector Sigma, there was really no reason. And once 9 or 12 is already defected, why not, you know, mm. cut out the fat? We don't know what happened to Glitch. He's not along. He's very conspicuously missing on the list of uh, people Megatron cared about. Yeah. We're dead now. Well, he may have on purpose not gotten very <laughs> close to him in the other world. <laughs> That's what made me laugh when Megatron is so happy to see some of the Decepticons again. And he's like, oh, I haven't seen any Decepticons in ages. I'm like, yeah, the last time you saw any, it was at the end of Dying of a Light. That, was a, that's not a, that wasn't a great day for you, was it, Megatron? Oh, I'm so nostalgic for that time that Tarn tried to kill me. That was such a good day. So there's, there's something here. There's something that keep, There's a point that keeps being made, that Megatron has a flawless memory. Yeah. We now have a load of characters who have very flawed memories. Mm. And Adaptus seems to conspicuously also have a flawless memory amongst these very old characters. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a there's I think we're supposed to keep that in mind. Is it something about Megatron's hybrid construction? Or Sorry. does he? Does does Adaptus have a flawless memory? Because when Sunder tries to infiltrate his brain, he can't get far. So maybe Adaptus thinks he, he remembers, but he's also he also seems a bit sketchy on the details, and he obviously messes up. Oh yeah, because Scorponok says he only ever gives us snippets. Why is that? Maybe he's like the tick. He can he has like no long term memory at all. He's just <laughs> driven by whatever the last like memento. Like he's just like going by his his own notes. Mm. But a uh, very good catch. I, th- I think you're onto something with Megatron's memory. Because it's because uh, the scene with the with the scavengers it sets it up. It's a sweet scene. Yeah. But also it made me remember in Spotlight Megatron, he doesn't remember somebody's name. Uh, I think it's Needle Nose or someone. Mm. But that's that kind of idea of Megatron being distant and aloof has not been a feature of. Roberts's Megatron. Hmm. Well, he said he's, he's, he's aloof, but he 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 is incredibly vigilant yeah. to any detail. He pretends sometimes, like 
Um, he will put people down by pretending not to know who they are. He uses it as a weapon. Yes, in chaos theory, right from the bat, right? And uh, he does it to Telgate when Telgate turns on him um, when they're all trapped on the ship. And he goes, was it Telgate, was it? You know, it's uh, very deliberate, but he knows mm. everything. Yeah, he is immune to information creep. Mm. That's interesting, yeah. If... if uh... I think me and Tom both have the same thought when we first read this, that we thought there may uh, be an influence from uh, Battlestar Galactica and their reveal of the final five Cylons, who were like the creators of uh, the Cylon race. And uh, those, before, before, you only originally meet four of the five, but uh, their memories are all messed up as well because of that naughty Dean Stockwell. Uh, <laughs> A lot, there's a lot about, they don't know how they got there or what was going on. So a lot about last season is them trying to piece together what it was with Dean Stockwell and his naughty ways did to uh, mess up their, mess up their lives. Now, what's interesting is when I watched the episode of Battlestar Galactica long ago, I was like, oh my god, this is just this is such hack, late season crap. <laughs> but Lost Night Twenty Two. I was like, ah, oh, man, this is great. I'm really being entertained and uh, respected here as a reader. Because they haven't used any of the main characters. Well, James hasn't. Whilst in Battlestar, he was all the key people. The people who have contracts. Yeah. So it was a little bit, eh, really okay. Go with it, I guess. But to be fair, one of them was that woman who uh, didn't really do anything. She was just hanging around for a few episodes. Oh, I, I haven't watched Battlestar in a while. Who was the odd one out? Yeah. Uh, Tori, I think the character's name. She's not. I've not reached her by rewatch yet, but she was like the president's aide. Uh, who doesn't? She was. She, she killed Callie afterwards, but uh, oh. before that, she'd not really done anything. I've ruined. If anyone's planned to watch Battlestar Galactica, you'll all be like, "Oh, he's ruined, ruined that for us." But no, I, I like. I think that episode of Battlestar Galactica is great for use of all along the Watchtower, which I was humming when I was reading. Uh, that reveal in this issue, to be honest, and uh, beautifully shot for a whole scene. I was very, uh, absolutely uh, love that. I love this as well. I thought it was all very well done. But it, uh, <coughs> me. it did also remind me of, uh, which I think maybe more of an influence on Robert. So I don't know if he, actually if he has watched Battlestar Galactica, but I think there's a good chance he will remember Archer's Goon, the uh, uh, novel. Uh, by the woman who wrote Howl's Castle, whose name I can't remember. Uh, I want to say Dan Louise Jordan, but that was a Blue Peter presenter. It was a BBC thing in the early 90s anyway, uh, where this uh, kid has to find the seven wizards who rule his town, who are messing up his life because of uh, something his dad did years ago. And it's about him trying to find each one of them. And it turns out they're scattered all over the place. Some of them live in the past and the future. Some of them don't know who they are. Some of them turn out to be people he's known all along who didn't realise it. And at the end of the book, it turns out he was the most important one all along because the most important one lives in the future and he just hasn't become him yet. And that, that feels very uh, sort of pe- similar piecemeal style uh, style thing. But I, I don't think any of the guided hand have been digging up the road outside Rodimus's house repeatedly to annoy him with roadwork noises. <laughs> so it's... it's <laughs> Which is what essentially what Adaptus is doing. <laughs> I, I'm going to mildly inconvenience you with bureaucracy is uh, a theme of a book, really. So wait, 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 hang on. So why 
he, he he himself is one of the wizards. Why does he do that to his younger self? Uh, because there is an accident uh, in the future with uh, his time machine that uh, sends him back to relive his life from being a baby again or something like that. So it mess, messes up his chronology, so all his timeline is messed up as well. Ah, that sounds, that sounds terrible. Poor man. So. I mean, I think it ends well for him anyway. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, so what's the timeline on uh, Archer's Goon? Uh, the TV version, I think it's uh, very early 90s. 91, 90, one of those last sort of uh, children's BBC sort of kids dramas they used to do. I think they, they did a, a one that was half black and white about the same time as well, and the, the Russell T. Davis stuff as well, of course. Uh, Chuckle Vision. The always iconic series, but only I remember out of the three of us here. Yeah, so just just a disclaimer for uh, for our listeners at home: uh, Marion and I didn't grow up in the UK, so so we're it's even more lost than country. usual. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a depressing thing me the only person remembering these things. I'm like the Megatron of this podcast. Oh wow, Stuart remembers everything. Without me, people would, wouldn't remember Archer's Goon. <laughs> well, eyes would, would be all, it was good. Trigger for Mighty Fools and Horses was in it. Ah, oh, real market quality. <laughs> Should we pick up on some of the character moments and the um, other pl- uh, big kind of storylines here and things? Um, yes, please. So, should we talk about the crew and getaway and the lost light? Obviously, that's a, a, a really big story that concludes in these issues. Um, we've, we find out what's happened. Um, Getaway tells us very conveniently in one panel. <laughs> they, uh, they, they find Madiri, the old thing in Cyber Utopia, but when they actually get there, it's empty because nobody knew what Cyber Utopia would look like, so the clinic can't really conjure an image to show them, and they figure it all out, turns out rather easily. Uh, meanwhile... Um, Tyrus presumably gets in touch with Getaway to ask him to help out with the Grand Architect's plans. Getaway has nothing left to live for or lose and therefore agrees um, to take Rodimus out and turns the whole crew into spark eaters in the process to do it. Well, uh, apparently Scorponok does actually. He hands him over to Scorponok to turn them into spark eaters. <laughs> they attack everybody else. Um, uh, they do find a cure, uh, Ratchet and, uh, well, First Aid finds a cure in the end, I believe, uh, on Madiri. So they did cure the Spark Eaters, the ones that they haven't um, killed so far, anyway. Um, and uh, Nicole has a moment where she clearly still cares nothing about organics. Um, the uh, telepaths are still in Madiri, trapped. And they're a bit worried that the cure for the telepaths, the cure for the Spark Eaters is going to kill the, te- the uh, telepaths. And Nikhil does really not give a fuck. She goes ahead with it anyway. Um, nobody realizes what kind of a racist she is, so she still gets to hang around <laughs> with everybody else. Um, That's how racists operate. <laughs> anyway, the telepaths survive, and they are still chanting things. So uh, whatever is going on, and they seem to be linked, if not to Adaptus himself, to the guiding hand in some way, because they start speaking in that language, don't they, towards the end? And they start speaking in symbols. Oh. Um, there's, there's just there's one point on the telepaths I want to pick up yeah. on. 
Uh, one of them is a personality tick. Oh, God, here we go again. <laughs> was it not the case that Thunderclash's incurable terminal illness was uh-huh. cured by a medic who was a personality tick? That's right, yeah. And the personality ticks are telepaths, and they're all kind of linked together? Yes, and they also... We don't know their true forms. Um... Do we not? I mean, isn't this one unconscious? Isn't they? Aren't they in their true form? Or do they not have a true form? The way that we see them appears to be their attack mode. At least that's what Nightbeat says. I think it's Nightbeat back in the personality take two parser. He says this is probably not even what they look like. This is just their attack mode. Ah, uh, okay. Um, yeah. So the, I guess the the point I'm making, which I'm reflecting, is quite a minor point. Um, was Thunderclash being able to be healed? Is because one of the ticks is linked to Madari. That's that's a good oh. point, yeah. So, they, like, it's not that they're super medics, it's that, that they had access to this vast database of medicine, so they knew how to cure him, is that what you're saying? Yeah. It seems odd that these guys who seem to be basically feral... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're so advanced that way. Hmm. Yeah, that's a but- good catch. They do make a thing of bringing the organics aboard the Lost Light, so they're all uh, they're all there if they're needed in the next yeah. couple of issues. Yeah, they are. So that that can't be random. Make going all all out of the way to save them can't be random. Mm. Okay, so we eventually have the big um, confrontation be- between Rodimus and Getaway. In the background, we have the the other big but minor confrontation by comparison of Cyclonus and. Star Saber. And like I laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I was I was at first I was a bit wait what? But then it was perfect. It was like, yeah, okay. I didn't need to see any more of this. <laughs> that was great. He just cuts him in half. There's also something um in the previous issue which kind of flags this up. He's like, normally I don't he's talking about getaway with tent to tailgate and he's like yeah. normally i don't really um i don't do protracted executions just you know keep it quick and professional yeah nice and this is definitely what he does <laughs> yeah yeah he's not um yeah he's uh, not talk or action cyclonus i find he's good at that <laughs> um okay and, uh, there's, a, there's a beat there at the end that i missed uh-huh the only thing cyclonus does say chooses his words carefully May Primus forgive your sins. Yeah. Uh, one day he may forgive mine. Oh, yeah, I thought of that. Yes, he might. Sooner than you think. Mm. Well, I don't know. What is there that the Cyclonus have some more sins to commit? Well, he's killed a lot of people. I think he's acutely aware of this. <laughs> um, he's not... Uh, yeah, he, he. I don't think Cyclonus is the kind of person who lives under any delusions of what he's done and who he is. Although... He seems to feel like, you know, I was following orders. He he uses that a bit. I was doing what oh, I was yeah. told. I was doing what I had to do at the time. Uh, but I just he, seemed to just keep following all these uh, racist despots. Yeah, that's just what I had to do. But he doesn't do it unthinkingly. He knows what I think he's... Uh, he owns up to uh, what he's done. Mm. In the end, at least, he does. Um. Do you know what else I find interesting? Actually, we'll jump to that in a minute. Um, before we get there, uh, Getaway and Rodimus—it's the big—it's uh, a big confrontation. What did you think of this? 
Yeah, you go first, Tom, because I've got a, a, a massive rant on coming. <laughs> oh, really? A massive rant? Okay. Um, I thought it was perfunctory. I really liked Getaway's death, just the fact it was kind of grisly and cool and, uh, and interesting. And, you know, it's an appearance of Primus when we should all be thinking about Primus. It's satisfying that Rodimus didn't just murder this guy because that would make Rodimus a different character. Mm, we talked it's, about that, didn't we? That it wouldn't, mm. we, it would not be, we wouldn't like it if Rodimus had killed him. Yes, and then there's that the, the you know the quite obvious but appropriate thing of him changing his colors back. He was never really these Decepticon colors. He uh, he's who he is. Uh, and that's, yeah, that's that makes me feel good. Um, it's kind of bogged down by the fact that, that Getaway has to explain, has to lay so much pipe while they're fighting. It's like, this is a big, important fight. The whole season's been building up to this. But then a lot of panels are kind of given over to Getaway quite cheerfully describing stuff about the Grand Architect <laughs> and what he's done for the crew and his motivation. It's like... That's, I mean, there's no other place you can put it. Um, but it's a shame because this is a, um, this is like a very well drawn, very nice fight. And it uses the hot rod joke from G.I. Joe versus Transformers. <laughs> oh, is it? Is that where it's from? Yeah, in G.I. Joe versus Transformers, Rodimus has been demoted to hauling nucleon rods around. <laughs> okay, I didn't catch that. It was funny even without <laughs> knowing that. Okay. Um, yeah, and then the whole imagery of literally what... I mean, none of the fire stuff makes any sense, but the imagery of walking through the fire to save him and how Cyclonus is just kind of impressed by it all. What I really didn't like was Getaway getting up. It's such a... Um, it's the end of Die Hard. It's such a very... Yeah, it's, I mean, I've seen it in a million things. It's such a, it's such a trope. Oh, you showed mercy, but now I'm going to get you. Like, I wish there'd been a better way... For, to connect those two moments than the obvious. Okay, Stuart, go for it. Uh, I think the resolution of a getaway plot of a mutiny plot was my biggest disappointment about these four issues. I felt very underwhelmed. It all felt very neat. It all felt very rushed through. Uh, obviously, with them all being spark eaters eventually, there's not really a moment where the crew gets a face up to anything they've done. They just get forgiven by Rodimus afterwards in that one battle, which is very neat as well. Uh, and I, I mean, the last time we saw Getaway, he was still determined and fighting, and he was going to go not let anything stop him and do whatever it took. Uh, we, I mean, we don't even really see any fallout from that. The crew think that uh, First Aid and Company killed Atomizer. All that mind manipulation has presumably been undone because Perceptor is happy to see one of us. <laughs> he thinks, uh, so, and it just felt, you know, like the Spark Eater thing. There's some reckoning of the Spark Eater concept here, so he could get, having been introduced so at the end of the previous issue, then he could get ticked off quickly because uh, originally, back in Elegant Chaos, the only Spark Eaters ever were created by Brainstorm's gun. Uh, that were. Uh, the only real Spark Eaters, and there's only like three of them. So there would be no reason for Madiri to have a queue up for Spark Eaters. Well, these, so here is a... these probably aren't Spark Eaters, though. The original, the real Spark Eaters didn't have the bonnet. Yeah. I, think, 
I think, you know, it's like saying, a demon, they've all been turned into demons, or they've been turned into zombies. I think it's, uh, I, don't, I don't think it needed that sort of, that shock moment, but I don't think they were actually Sparky. It's not like Nick's brainstorm's gun, and now Sparky does just work differently. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's also, I'm not sure why euthanasia clinic would have a cure for smoking tears when it would have just killed them anyway. And it's in the room that they all happen to rush into, the exact device. Um, maybe if a Magnificence had spoken up before then and said, going there, that might have seemed a bit, at least only of a contrivance. But that felt awkward to me. And it feels like so much has happened to Getaway since the last time we saw him. And it's just dirty that info dump. It feels like we missed something somewhere. Maybe even a flash, one flashback panel in the middle of that, showing him reacting to failing to find Cyber Utopia, would have been better than just him saying, "Ah, there, when I failed to find Cyber Utopia, I did this, 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 then this, then this," which made me feel like this, and that's why my I now have a pretty much di- totally different viewpoint on life to the last time Rita saw me, when I was really going down fighting, now I'm just pessimistic and ready to die. Rather, it, it, oh, it, it just really didn't work for me. I mean, I don't mind the Star Saber thing so much, because he wasn't... I'm not really sure why they bothered bringing him back, to be fair. He, he might as well have died back in remaining lights, but that was a nice moment, at least. It was to get Cyclones out of the room, so he could come back into the room. Well, Star Saber, that's what he's reduced to <laughs> He's like the phone the, ringing. Like, oh, hey, I'm just going to get the phone. The, the best thing about it was the world payoff for me. That was great. Uh, but again, if, I'm not sure why the Madiri field didn't work on the Lost Light crew either. Because he said, no, none, none of us had the strength of personality. But Getaway really does believe he wants to be Primus. That's why he sees the Spark Eaters looking like that. So that's, why... that's not what he said, though. What he said was none of us knew what Cyber Utopia looked like, so they had no expectation. They wanted Cyber Utopia, but they couldn't visualize Cyber Utopia, so they ended up in empty space. Yeah, or or it could have been um, a situation where, you know, where the scavengers are seeing Garrus 9 and Robinson's crew are seeing Cyclonus' Cyber Utopia. So that's when, you know, that's when Nautica realized they're in an illusion. If you have 200 people land and they all see something different, you're like, oh, we're, this is clearly a mind control thing. Uh, that makes a Knights of Cybertron look a bit rubbish for not C3. <laughs> uh, well, like, well, the Knights of Cybertron were expecting another Cybertron, and that's what they got. Mm. It's a. Uh... Yeah, the, the wheel payoff was great, uh, but as you say, the, the whole getting up again thing was out of every 1980s bad action film. And it, it's also a bit convenient for Rodimus as well. It is that I won't kill you, but I won't save you thing, almost literally. It's like, oh, we, we're not going to have Rodimus kill the guy, but we still want him to die. So we're going to contrive it to keep Rodimus's hands clean. <laughs> Which I'd rather Rodimus had just killed him if they were going to kill him, to be honest. I don't think anyone would have would have objected that strongly. I don't, I don't agree with this. This isn't a I'm not going to save you moment. Rodimus doesn't leave him to die. If that was it, he wouldn't have gone after him in the fire. He would have mm. said, well, you did this to yourself. I'm not killing you, but you can feel free to die. But he didn't. He saved him. This is more, to me, um, this is more like a Goku versus Frieza moment. This is where Goku in the end says, I'm going to give you some of my power so you have enough to, fl- to um, you know, fly away and save yourself. 
And instead of saving himself, Frieza attacks Goku with the power of the parish uh, he's just given her. Him, sorry. Uh, that's a lot more like this. So um, Rodimus saves uh, Getaway, takes him out, and Getaway uses this again to get again attack them. Uh, and uh, dies because of it, because uh, the minute that the Freezer attacks Goku again, he turns around and deflects the power back on him, basically. Even though he doesn't die at that point, but that's a whole nother story. But anyway, the scene is, I think, more like that to me. Like, he's had every possible uh, opportunity. This isn't a, I'm not saving you moment. Mm. It's, it's something else altogether. And getaway is the, the dark reflection of Rodimus, right? So... Yeah, you know, so given that second chance, Rodimus chooses yeah. peace, and given that second chance, Getaway chooses revenge. Mm. Yeah, for me, this is um, this was satisfying. This um, I'll, there was one thing that wasn't as satisfying, and I'll get to that. But um, I thought, as a as a conversation between the two of them, I thought it, it was good that Getaway had gotten somewhere, like he'd progressed to where we left him. I found that helpful to the narrative. Uh, he'd kind of he'd he'd reach that crash all by himself. Um, the fact that um, I didn't mind the exposition uh, because this was always going to be more about talking than fighting between these two guys. It was always about the people rather than the you know it wasn't the Star Saber versus Cyclonus thing where they were just gonna always fight it out. Uh, this was more about ideologies and. Uh, personalities uh, with Rodimus and uh, Getaway. So I didn't mind all the, all the talking that was going on in the action scenes. I find the evolution of Getaway made sense to me. Like, he, he did not feel like he would ever repent or turn around or go, oh, shit, I've gone too far. Like, he was always going to take it too far and just crash and burn at the end. Um, and I found their conversation quite... It felt... Enlightening. Uh, I think Rodimus has obviously had reached a certain point. He'd already, you know, taken stock. He'd learned his lesson from Megatron uh, before he decided on this plan. He said, this is what Megatron does, this is what I'm going to do. And then he has a conversation with Getaway, and Getaway says, basically, all you care about is the ship. You don't care about your crew. Uh, you basically let your crew die. And Rodimus's reaction to the mess... Um, Specifically, he says, get away. If you cared about your crew, why aren't you down there right now finding a way to save them? And effectively, this is what Rodimus does to get away. He goes after him to save him. Um, to me, this read a bit like, again, I, it's my turn to make references that you guys don't get. Uh, but this uh, this read a bit like uh, the confrontation in Veronica Kenshin between Kenshi and uh, Sojiro. Uh, where they're fighting, they're in the middle of a fight. Uh, and Sojiro has a complete um, meltdown uh, where a lot of memories start resurfacing and starts yelling out at Kenshin, why didn't you save me back then? And the two of them have never met before this. Uh, Sojiro is just projecting um, onto Kenshin because he's supposed to be a, proje a protector of people. And to me, this, this is what this reads like, Getaway saying, why didn't anyone come for me? Uh, why didn't anyone try to protect me and save me? And um, this is... Um, you know, you've you've let this happen. You made me into this. No one has ever been here for me, basically. And I think Rodimus takes stock um, 
after that, uh, and that's why he decides to go after him. I think Cyclonus also has grown as a person. I mean, we, we kind of talked about it before, but um, I mean, we all thought Cyclonus was going to kill Getaway. We talked about it previously. We said, yeah, Rodimus is not going to kill him, but Cyclonus will. Um, in the when he's talking to Telegate, he says, yeah, I really need to go kill uh, Getaway now. Should have killed him ages ago. But when he actually sees him and he sees, you know, the state he's in and what he's become and he realizes, well, he's not a threat anymore. He's just, you know, he's obviously lost everything. Uh, he doesn't kill him. Um, and again, that goes back to the conversation Cyclonus has with Telgate uh, when Telgate has his powers in that, no, you can't just go around killing everybody. You need to appreciate your strength and what you're doing and what effect that has on others. Um, so I think Cyclones has learned to be a lot more measured in his rage as well and in his reactions and uh, the effect he has around him. A lot of uh, character developments all around. So I I did quite really like these pages. Um, and uh, I like the fact that Cyclones took down uh, Star Saber without much fuss. Um, again, he didn't <laughs> give in to his rage. You know, he just took care of it and moved on. Um, he didn't go after Rodimus uh, because he was too dangerous. He promised Elgate he was going to come back. Uh, so he didn't risk his life. Oh. And uh, uh, the thing I was going to say is quite interesting to, at the end. Oh, and to go back to your point, Tom, uh, I liked the trope of Getaway getting back up. Uh, it got me. I was really anxious. I did for the, for that moment where he picked up the sword and went after Cyclones. I thought, holy shit, he's going to kill him. I, I bought into it 100%. Because of the phone call, right? Because of the phone call to tell yeah, yeah. like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Better be careful. And I mean, people have been dying left and right in these issues. Uh, I don't hmm. expect anyone to come back. I think we've crossed that line now. So it, it could have easily been another one of them. Um, Primus. This is the the third form of Primus in these issues, right? So that's interesting. So this is the Primus as Getaway sees him. Mm. Uh, the Primus as the function is him, the big planet. And the real Primus rung. So we've got all these different Primuses, you know, um, none of which are uh, what the actual um, Primus looks like. Um, so that was interesting as well. I thought Getaway got off easy. I know, like being eaten alive. Yeah, I thought because he got his wish, he had the Maderi death, he got eaten by Primus. <laughs> <laughs> That's what deeply religiously inclined people really want. They're just vor fetishes. <laughs> That's a beautiful. Because yes, he'll, he never knows what he'll never know what really happened. So yes, he thinks Primus ate him. He Which... didn't, yeah, I don't know, he didn't, we didn't have enough shots of him, you know, like, in agony for me to feel that this was a painful death, it was all over too quickly. And right when they're bursting through his eyes, you don't see the, the torrent of ejaculate. <laughs> yeah, I needed, I needed more gore that's, here. That's not, that's not sprinklers coming down. I mean, the other thing that uh, bugged me was, uh, I mean, obviously it was a deliberate choice so as not to uh, too heavily sidepost how the next issue was going to end. But when, when Getaway's giving his big, you know, oh, why you suck, speak Geronimus, that didn't really work for me either. Because he's going, oh, you've not looked after your crew. That's right after Geronimus has had all the doctors that told them, go find a cure for the crew, while I go take care of a guy who is trying to kill all of us. So he is looking after the crew. So that, that didn't sink for me at all. He's, you know, he's 
he's maybe getting his revenge on Getaway as well, but he's still looking after his people at the same time. What would have worked better is if, because obviously that was a reason for the mutiny, is if Getaway had gone to where's Megatron been. You've kind of failed there. Looks like we were right. I think that would have been a big, bit more of a gut blow. Well, I don't think it was meant to be, though. Uh, I think it was meant to be about the fact that Getaway, like, um, Rodimus has moved on. Like what Getaway says no longer has, it doesn't, it's not true. Rodimus has moved on. He's moved past this. He's looking after the crew. He would have been no good to them down in Madeira. He's doing what he's doing to distract from people, saving them down there. Uh, so what Getaway says is like Rodimus is already ahead of him. Um, and that's why I'm reading that scene as it being more about Getaway being saved rather than anyone else being saved because Rodimus is already looking after everybody else. Um, but, yeah, I think you can read it both ways. Anyway, what, what I do love is that it's all down to uh, that Christmas issue when everything is sorted out at the end, which I don't think... Has it been collected in trade, that uh, Christmas story? Um, I think it was meant to be in uh, one of the trades. Issues, wasn't it? Uh, it? But it didn't end up in the trade. I think it's just a single issue, yeah. Wow, so anyone who only follows this in trade is going to be like, what? 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 Um, <laughs> the, the world thing, I loved it. I loved it. I knew what was happening within seconds of the scrap lights going for him. I thought this is the most adorable thing. <laughs> it was amazing. It was it was brilliant. Well done. Well done, Jim. It, it's uh, it's interesting. Over in Optimus Prime, there's a whole other there's a whole subplot with the Dinobots all becoming parents. Not just Grimlock and his baby, but uh, Slag and the others. That hasn't really, you know, there's a lot going on in the Optimus Prime books. And so that hasn't really had a moment like this. Mm. Um, and it's the same well, basic thing, you know, horrible, irredeemable, war criminal <laughs> learns the power of parenting. Um, but yeah, I don't know, so there's something about this just kind of, I mean, all the, 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 the babies in, in Trypticon, they were kind of just sort of, like, uh, just they just look like robots. They don't really look like there's nothing very distinctive about them. Mm. And yeah, there hasn't been that kind of maternal, maternal kind of uh, connection. A lot of things in this story felt to me, or I'm sure not intentionally, but felt like uh, piss takes. Uh, things that are happening in, in other Transformers comics. We have a whole farmer thing that felt like such a send up of spoilers. What was fine. Hey, it's Shockwave again. He was a mystery character all along who was disguised as somebody else. So the fact that he was like, oh, who's this mystery character? It's this guy you've not seen in two years that you don't really remember that well. <laughs> That's a bit of an anticlimax. That felt like a very, almost like we just sending up that whole, that whole Shockwave thing that we get every single fucking time with Shockwave. Man, I did, I did like when we we're getting the glimpses of who the Grand Architect was, I had the moment where I was like, surely not. Surely they wouldn't. No, 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 come on, no. But like, it would both like annoy me and it would work at the same time. Because by now, it would have, like, we've crossed over now any, any sense of, like, what's sensible and what isn't. So, genuinely, <laughs> if it was Shockwave at that point, I would have been like, 
yeah, okay, fuck you, but fine. Yeah, I'll just carry on I mean, uh, Of course, it's uh, it's vaguely to say it's only been about a month since Dying of the Light for these characters. So Optimus Prime is like a year or two ahead of this comic. So Shockwave could have come and done this before Optimus Prime as well. <laughs> He's going around like the like the like the uh, the the White Rabbits. Oh, geez, I'm late. I've got to go set up this other mythology. Got to go found this civilization. There, is, there is no principles. guiding hand. It's all Shockwave. <laughs> Every finger. <laughs> About um, his hand, yes, he's obsessed with hands. See, it all makes sense. Let's rewind. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is that, is, that, is that a little hint uh, at the beginning there? One hand or two? <laughs> that, that's why I thought. That's what That's what got me. Uh, it was either, yeah, at that point for me, it was either Pharma and his chainsaw or he was Shockwave. Before we I mean, yeah. move on to this. Oh, sorry, guys, I was just saying. Oh. oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, the other thing that's very. Uh, feels like a bit of a send-up of other Transformers comics is, I don't know if you've noticed, but at the moment, there's a Transformers comic about a big planet guy going around wrecking stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't so know. Ha- is there? Ha- uh, having Primus show up as a big planet. It's not you wait years for IDW to do a story about a planet Transformer eating things or destroying things, and then they do two at once. <laughs> Uh, especially as uh, the most recent issue of Unicron, they make a big thing that Unicron is the size of a solar system. As if he's like, uh, mine's bigger than James Roberts. He's only got a planet-sized one. Mine's a, a solar system-sized one. Well, the real Primus is not even. He's uh, key-sized. Um, well, they're also, also in the most recent Unicron, they're talking about how they need to get something big enough to come punch Unicron. And hey, there's something in Lost Light at the moment that could come in handy if any future, if the issues were ever to meet each other. It does feel like it could be used very uh, effectively as misdirection. So they, they turn up with a fake Primus only for the real Primus to do his thing. Hmm. Oh, right. Just like, oh, man, yeah, here, here's the punching device. Like, no, Rung's got this little... Key thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I do... I'm hoping the, the Lost Lights crew would turn up towards the end of Unicron, especially now we know there's a big gap between this story and the events of Unicron, where anything could happen to take them somewhere. Uh, because, yeah, because I'll be, uh, I'll be really disappointed if a final big T, big F, final uh, IDW Transformers story has fucking Rom in it, but none of the good characters. Ron's all right. He's sad. He's sad everyone got eaten. So I just want to say before we we drifted too far, but we we already have some, I'm sort of skipping back now. Um, Rodimus again, Um, the whole emergence from the flames in his original colours. So uh, shortly before this, um, Getaway taunts him with the fact he'll never be prime. Uh, Rodimus emerges very prime-like from the flames. Um, he um, he earns his primehood by forgiving his enemies and being the bigger person and being the leader he needs to be. Uh, but uh, that particular scene, Casey Caller posted that he deliberately, of Rodimus carrying getaway out of the flames, he deliberately drew it to be reminiscent of Rodimus opening the Matrix in Unicron. Oh, did he? Yeah. Okay. Yes, it does. Uh, it does bring to mind. Uh, uh, yeah, rise, Grodomus Prime. Mm. 
Uh, was, that, was that your best Peter Cullard? Wasn't yeah, it was terrible, wasn't it? It was more villainous. Arise, Rodimus. No, I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just wanted to uh, throw that in there because uh, it was a nice uh, sort of a marriage of writer intention and artist execution. Ah, yes. Good, good, yeah, good call. Because uh, one of the things as well about having Primus about is that, that yeah, he's a magical god, being, I suppose, as are the other guided hand people as well. So do we think anyone who's died so far will actually stay dead? Yeah, I do. Unless in the end someone resets the universe, I don't think there's simply, there isn't enough time for individuals to pop up again at this point. When Madiri oh. got crushed, that means, yeah, we can't get night beats, brain, module, 10s, juice, special 10 juice. It reminds me, there is a bit of a plot question there. There, there is a geobomb on Madiri. What happens to it? It's supposed to detonate when Primus comes through the portal, but Primus eats the moon. Oh, see, I took it that Madiri gets pulled through the gate because the, the geobomb goes off. Oh. The geobomb just sends you to the functionist universe, doesn't it? Yeah. So it would have just, if it goes off now, it would just send you back. That'd be a bit of an anticlimax. Okay, hang on, hang on. Let me just, let's just try and, let's just plot out which universe they're in right now. They're in our universe at the moment. But they get pulled through the rift into the functionist universe. Into the benzene expanse. Of the functionist universe. No, no, in our universe. Okay, okay, so the rift takes them to the benzene expanse. Okay. We're there, so we're in our own universe. So, that, okay, and then when they're in the benzene expanse, they the god gun gets fired, and the god gun opens up the portal to the functionist universe. Out comes the last light. Out comes Primus. Okay, that's easier than I, than I, was, I was thinking. Right, they're just in the they ha, the the last light hasn't jumped universes. Okay, yes, yes, and you're totally right. The, well, our, our lost light hasn't. The other lost light has. The last light and the lost light. There's, there's all the lost lights. All the many, many lights. Um, so we're all in the on the same side of the universe, and the geobomb is about to go off. And yeah, I guess now, if Primus eats that, eats, eats Madeira, he is going to get pinged back. Well, he drinks it specifically, is what we're told. Mm, yeah, weird, weird phrasing. Although, so the, drink, the drinking makes me think that maybe they, we can get Night Beaten 10 back. Because Primus could escape. Zip, there's Nightbeat. Zip, there's Ted. There you go. It's... There's Axe and there's other jerks. Um, well, you know, why not? Not Blue Streak, though. He's staying now. I don't even know why I invented Blue Streak. He's rubbish. <laughs> um, yeah, where do all those sparks go when they're extracted? Hmm. He says, that's what I saw. A creature large enough, brutal enough, to pluck a moon from the sky and drink it. A creature... Sounds like Unicron, doesn't it? Um, well, yeah, a creation. But, I mean, he doesn't specifically say, I saw this Primus thing. You know, he doesn't... No, it's the... But, he does, but, but you know, Tyrese calls him out on that, like, why do you have so many weird names for this? Mm. It does feel like Tyrese a Scorpion Arc didn't think through a lot of their plans. And I'm only questioning it now, yes, but... Tyrese just seems a bit depressed that his previous plan failed, so he just go with the flow. <laughs> He's like, I've all my life's work off screwed up. 
I've got to say, say, I really, really, really like Scorponaut's moment. moment. Uh, in, 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 in the 19, 19 before he dies, dies. yeah, <laughs> just, just kind of like, like sick, you know, yeah, I'm used to being the guy. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you're doing this all wrong, and you're kind of dumb, and uh, I just want my baby. Well, I suppose one thing to talk about with Adaptus, it, most of his actions only make sense if you assume that he's in, well, he says, in fact, that he's in eternal struggle with his farmer personality, so anything... Like, there's no particular reason for him to send Getaway to kill one of us a company. They're no threat to his plans, and if they turned up at Madeiri, Madeiri would have t- taken care of them. If, if, if not for their bit of luck. So, he doesn't need to see what we've got away to do that. So, I think that that's a farmer moment. And I think what's very obvious as well is that every time he sees Ratchet, Ratchet pisses off the farmer. Oh, his personality, he's like, oh, that Ratchet... That's, that's when he's at his uh, adapt, the adapter's persona is at his weakest, so I think that'll uh, come into play. But, but will Farmer kill Ratchet when he said he'd take control and sort of stab him through the back as well? Oh, hmm. Yeah, Ratchet stays numbered. There's, there's the bit where, um, uh, yeah, Primus is messing up the, the god gun, and yeah, all Farmer can really look at is Ratchet in his cells. And the uh, red alert. Sorry, first aid. Oh really? Yeah, he looked. Same scene. He first, he's looking oh. at. He's looking at first aid, talking to Rung. Uh, so it's first aid sat next to Nicole with the magnificence, and that's the first thing he looks at. And then he turns around and he, he, he kind of like looks around at uh, Ratchet. Um. So maybe he was looking at the magnificence in the other one, or maybe he's just looking at all the medics. <laughs> this guy blew my head off. Yeah. I mean, I think it was a farmer decision to have a chainsaw again as well. So I can't imagine an actor sort of going, you know what, I really need a chainsaw for hand. I don't come in in handy at, at some point if I want to randomly kill Scorponok. Yeah, it's all a bit... This farmer thing will come back. I think uh, you will probably... It'll conveniently distract adapters at a critical moment because it'll want to do something else, um, the pharma personality, and uh, stop him from what he was doing. Or Ratchet will use it to his advantage to distract him at some point or something along those lines, I reckon. And Freud and Sunder are very specifically reintroduced as being hanging about with with our guys as well. So I think uh, mm. they're going to do something at some point that'll, uh, with he, their mind control. Yeah, when exactly did Sander and uh, Freud become best buds with everyone else? Oh, look, it's those serial killers. Let's just take them on because they're not as bad as the other guys. <laughs> uh, they, they, they sort of get ignored, don't they? They come in and they go, oh, we just did a mind scan of a grand architect and then nobody speaks to them again. So they're just sat in the corner just feeling a bit sorry for themselves. Yes, definitely looks there on hold for now. I, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how Freud takes the news about um, about Rung. And I guess Sunder is just as useful as a tool if you can compel people to transform. Um, I guess that's an ironic fate for Adaptus in the end. Mm. So what do we think Rung actually is? Jesus. Well, what his alt mode is. Or yeah, what, what, is. what was it? What was a Nightbeat's big discovery? Okay, hang on. Let's try and let's try and piece together. I think we've been given... Well, did, did Nightbeat like really... We've been given the plates, but not the menus. Hmm. 
Did Nightbeat really work it out, though? Because all he would have needed to ascend is to think he had. Yeah, I think that would be uh, loyally and uh, against the spirit of Nightbeat's demise. Okay, so I think I think there's more going on in this scene where Rung transform, but the magnificence compels Rung to transform. Mm. Makes people feel young. Swerve's well, seen it before, but Rewind specifically says it makes me feel it makes me feel young again. Yeah, but it wasn't the first time. He said whenever he transforms, it makes me feel young. So it's not a new experience for them. Um, no, they're, yeah, they're perturbed by Hong speaking his transformation sound. Mm. So, okay, I've got the panel here. Nickel is confused. Tailgate is also confused. Swerve, I don't know why, but when he transforms, it makes me feel... So he's seen Rung transform before. Mm. And then Rewind completes the sentence. He says, young, it makes me feel young. Hmm. Nothing else really going on. Just him lying... Some kind of reset key, or reboot. It's, it's going to connect, connect to Cybertron in some way, isn't it? Uh... I mean, then we've got this other bit we're told about the God War, about Primus putting his essence into Vector Sigma, and then channeling all of his mass and body into destroying Luna One, mm. or propelling Luna One away. So is that something? Rung, is that a kind of a, 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 a reinterpretation of something Rung does? Hmm. Does he make Vector Sigmas? Hmm. I mean, it seems tempting that, like, okay, he vomits up uh, photonic crystals when he's in robot mode, so then you, then you shift into alt mode and then charge those crystals into sparks. Hmm. But then... And then we've got other stuff about, about youth. We've got things like Cyclonus had the spark of a newborn when Vector Sigma hit him. Yeah. And then he was able to transfer that with his sword. Um, oh, man. What happens when Rung gets a, uh, a great sword? Yeah, we haven't seen him carry one, have we? He's got his weird kind of gladiators. Because uh, Rung will just punch you. That's... Uh... If he has a moon, he'll... In fact, that's one way the robot Primus is very like a real one. They both hate moons. They're just like, oh, I hate this moon. I'm going to take care. This hasn't... Luna one. It hasn't come up again, but the reason uh, there was... The reason the the swords um, glowed or didn't glowed was... uh, Glow or didn't glow? um, Was um, faith, wasn't it? Like how devout you were. Oh, I thought it was just like your your power level or something. No, it was because uh, you know at the end of season one, where last cyclones, how are you doing that thing with your sword? And it's like uh, you know it's got glowing things everywhere, energy flowing out of it and stuff. And then Star, uh, not, sorry, not Star Saver. Um, what is his name? Diatlas uh, tells well your your friend is very devout. Um, the sword's linked to your spark, and the more devout you are, like the more you believe, the more and that the energy flows out of them. Oh, 
But couldn't that be Diatlas's spin on the spark of a newborn um, thing? Like yeah, it might be. We so. haven't seen World Sword do that, have we? No, the world's pretty old. He has no purity to him. <laughs> oh, sorry, I meant uh, drift. Oh, drift, right. Hmm. Maybe he's using all those drugs. <laughs> but it, but he's equally devout, is what I was getting at. But he sort of doesn't. Oh, do right, it. Yes, so okay. that supports your oh, theory, yeah. yeah. Uh, I should also say, because you, as you've reminded me of it by mentioning Drift, uh, we finally got the Drift Megatron scene. We yeah. did! Which is nice to a point and uh, pointed out they've been avoiding each other as well, which is also good. <laughs> yeah, with Dr. Megatron doing his thing. Yeah, so oh. Megatron has decided the best way to carry his medical supplies is in a fake. Um, thingy. Oh God, I'm, I'm all out of words today. Fusion cannon. <laughs> um, yeah, that's adorable. Um, <laughs> is it? Also the, well, there's a, you know, it says when Optimus Prime back in Chaos Theory says, you know, oh, that vanity is at the face of a tyrant in that way that Optimus Prime is also talking about himself. Ah, but you know, uh, there was a very good point made by, uh, what's his name? Uh, tattoo, right? Um, he points points to the panel. Uh, Megatron melting his fusion cannon uh, to say he lives for a world where the only the meaning. Let me see. My weapon is my burden. Um, a reminder of the path I was forced to take. When the world weapon is emptied of meaning, when the purpose of a weapon is impossible to grasp, and the rejection of my weapon is of significance to no one other but myself, only then shall I remove it from my arm. Because only then will I have earned the right to rid myself of my burden. He's replaced the cannon with the medical kit. He, he likes the weight of it. He's thinking, should I get a backpack or a bum bag? Or no, that's a... An arm cannon medical kit. Hannibal Taboo. Maybe not pronouncing it right. Uh, yeah, the CBR reviewer. Uh, speaking of analogy, somebody also pointed out there's a bit where one of the uh, functionist characters is tapping Megatron's chest in a uh, direct parallel of when Skids did it to him, saying if uh, back in Storehouse, where he gave his speech, saying you know, about, about the auto brand, uh, what it means. Uh, how he need, if he doesn't work out about the importance of saving lives, and he shouldn't be wearing it. So there's a there's a lot of visual uh, 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 callbacks here. Yes. Well, so it, talking of callbacks, there's something which has been uh, uh, tinkling the back of my ivories. Um, Rung's speech about little edits. Hmm removing information being a weapon and editing being a weapon. Do you think someone's, something about, someone's wiped the guiding hand's memories? Well, it sounds like Rung's talking about himself there. So do you think they wiped their own memories? Uh, maybe Rung has, but then it's, it's also a, a, well, it, it's also, Megatron has edited the function of his cannon. Mm. Um, you know, it, which Rung has described as a violent act. Mm, yeah. Um, it's it's changed one meaning into another. I think you're, you're spot on to invoke that bit from Towards Peace, because that's sort of what they're talking about there. They're talking about 
editing out terminus. So it's, yeah, I think it's, it, there's, there's a, a lot of significance. The fact that Rung is saying that to Megatron, who ends up doing that, and that Rung is talking, it seems, from experience about changing your own function and changing your meaning. And of course, our big enemy is the functionists. And we're told that the opposite of functionism is choice. Oh, and oh, I've just had a thought as well, but it doesn't quite connect to that, Tom, but as it's just popped into my head, I will, I will say it, as I must say any thought that pops into my head out loud. Uh, there's a parallel with IDW Unicron, with, with, not with normal Primus, but with a giant Primus, because both of them have been given these new origin stories where they were built as weapons. Unicron built as a weapon to destroy all the Transformers, and Primus, the giant Primus, built as a weapon to destroy all the organics. They're, they're, they're parallel to each other, and which is interesting as well. I'm sure that's a deliberate bit of work between James and John. To, uh, uh, Unicron went wrong, <laughs> badly for the people who built him, whilst uh, Primus is sort of doing his job for the guys who built him. But they're, 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 they're opposites. They're parallel to one another in a way that does make you feel like maybe there is going to be a meeting coming up. Hmm. Uh, Do you think we're going to see them kiss? <laughs> I, I think Rung will plug into Cybertron and take over the giant's Primus, and he will go gently hug Unicron and say, it's okay, mate, it's okay. Yeah. We've had a bad time, Rich. Yeah, prescribe mine. you Eat some uh, SSRIs, uh, get, you on a, get, you on, get you a personal trainer, we're going to going to kick this habit of yours. Yeah. As, as beautiful as the size of a solar system, I guess we'll have to hug his shin or something like that, switch like, like an affectionate puppy. <laughs> I mean, Primus is pretty big here as well. Those aren't moons he's punching this time. Um, that's no moon, yes. It's... He's, he's punching whole Cybertrons. Mm. As you know, there's the most beautifully job Barber moments in, in Unicron 3 where they bother to explain why Unicron's gravity is messing everything up. I thought, bless as if, as if people care about mass in Transformers I, at this I point. I appreciated that. <laughs> I appreciated that because there was a whole thing with how Dev with Devastator and Victorian and the gravity and whatnot. I, I, uh, that clicked. I made a very satisfying click in my brain. Mm. Okay. Magical. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, so I, I think there's a lot still to come in terms of reveals and... Uh, where things may be headed. Do we have any other favorite moments? We want to pick up any little things. Uh, Megatron painting the last light purple was a, a beautiful <laughs> thing, uh, particularly his, uh, his comment to Swerve there. It's a good color. Um, it's a good color. It's a good color, Swerve. I, I like that uh, this very firmly buries the idea that there is only one Primus and one Unicron and they just go between universes. Because it's like, oh, the other rung is dead. There were definitely two separate rungs and one of them is dead. So it's not just one Primus. Screw that stupid idea. <laughs> then why can't you make a quantum duplicate of Primus? Uh, I guess we'll find out. Uh, well, 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 I mean, the final two issues are Why do you think you can't? There's a couple of unique things about the Guiding Hand. Um, okay, not only are they incredibly long-lived, you can't do NEMA surgery on 
Adaptus. Uh-huh. That's established. Uh, you can't kill Rung with a headshot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, as we've said before, they all seem to have some kind of connection or use of the Warren. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're definitely not goggy gods. Oh, yeah. Then also, uh, what's the thing with Ty- Well, you can't, uh, you can't kill Tyrest either, it seems. Um, oh, the other thing uh, is potentially Tarrest is wearing armor because uh, he's got the trigger. It's not really specified either way, but there's a good chance he's wearing armor. Mm. So that's not his true form either. And we know that that's not Adaptus' true form. Mm. But uh, we, we did have a rank quantum duplicate uh, for a short time on the alternate Lost Light. He died early. Oh, but, the, but there was the no, one. He, he, he was lost. He after the after the the um the explosion. Oh yeah, yeah. Ah yeah. So they never both existed. I guess we don't. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Rodimus died. Yeah. I mean, you you can't kill people with a guided hammer. It was poor old ne- Necrobot. Well, he left behind a key, didn't he? Yeah. And I don't think that was just the key to his cupboard. <laughs> well, though, it did open his cupboard. <laughs> it did open the yeah, it's a good key. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to work out if maybe, because the Magnificent is very keen for, how many people is it? Uh, is it four or five if uh, the Magnificent wants to, specifically, to come on a mission? It's one of us ratchets. Four. Oh, We're four. I was trying to work out for the Magnificent to try to make a new guiding hand. Uh, that was going to be... Yeah. Oh, right. all go off at the end to do guiding hand things. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, what's four of them, the Magnificence is... What's, what's its game? Yeah. I am very intrigued about the whole guiding hand thing. I was just rereading the um, the bit of Rang talking about edits. Um, and obviously we have a lot of edits here. Um, uh, are they self-inflicted? Are they something that is it just genuine information creeps that the gods don't remember who they are? Is it something they've done to themselves? We know that Adaptus is uh, proactively trying to edit things because he's coming to the future um, that he wants so to try and change it. Um, we know that you can't edit the past because of the rules set in this universe. Uh, or at least so far, nobody has been able to. Whatever you do ends up being predestination. And I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I am intrigued what's going on. The, the guiding hand has me intrigued. Hmm. Should yeah, we... Def- yeah, sorry. They definitely seem to have rules, but we don't know what they all are yet. Yes. And it's unclear... Or why are they there? What's their purpose? Did they try to? Were they trying to do something? Did they just, uh, you know, forget themselves? Did they? Is this part of something bigger? Is it, you know, what, what, what's going on? Why is just adapters seem to be, you know, the one moving things around? Is it like the magnificence that just after a while ceased to have a function and just um, ended up being its base components uh, because they had no other reason to exist or? It's a, it's an interesting concept, uh, uh, the way that it's uh, being conceived. In, you know that the gods are just around; um, they don't quite know why, or what they're up to, or how they got there. 
Uh, with, the, with the 13 primes, uh-huh. you know, you've got this reveal that they were just warlords uh, with good PR. Yeah. Like Except for Shockwave. Uh, well, yeah, you know, he, he, um, his reputation preceded him as Alex. He, he left enough black rocks and stuff. But yeah, with the guiding hand, we seem to have a very different sort of take where they seem to be kind of special, but um, mostly forgotten or corrupted. Hmm. So um, let's wrap up then. Um, I I think I've said all I want to say uh, in terms of how I felt. Uh, I have really enjoyed these issues. Uh, I thought those have all been a very good finale so far. Um, I'm not happy it's all ending, but uh, I think it's going out well. Uh, the big reveals have uh, have been well received by me, um, and uh, I'm I'm not bored yet. I'm I'm still very keenly interested to find out what the hell's going on. And uh, the art we haven't talked about, uh, we did say we've got four different artists here. It was an absolute pleasure to have VJ Sue back. He killed it. It's a gorgeous issue. His action sequences are just spectacular. Tom mentioned earlier the bit of Grimlock um, jumping from the ship and the huge uh, sound effect in the background, which was all, uh, it was all EJ. Um, there are a couple of things that people have complained about with this issue. There are some continuity issues, like some of the alt modes are not right and things like that. But you know what? I really don't care. The, the issue is gorgeous. We know EJ has not been drawing Transformers for ages. I, I like genuinely, I'm not even going to bother mentioning them. The colors are also fantastic. I think Joanna worked really well with EJ's lines, and they can't be easy because EJ draws as if he means to stick to black and white. Like, colors often seem redundant on his lines. Uh, but John, I think, has really risen to the occasion. I think a couple of panels particularly stand out for me. Perceptor vomiting on uh, Brainstorm. Uh, this beautiful kind of green, yellowish thing. Um, some uh, The hilarity of the panel right below it, which is everybody reacting to what's just happened uh, in a very kind of comical way. Um, there is uh, all the panels of the uh, of the spaceship that the Red Alert and um, sorry First Aid and Company have uh, um, commandeered is beautiful. And the bit where the Lost Light uh, there's a panel where the Lost Light um, attacks them for the first time, where everybody's flying and kind of whirls in the air and uh, um, sort of drift on everybody else. That's uh, beautiful colors there as well. Those blues and those uh, sort of action lines and everything. So yeah, huge, huge fan of the issue. Uh, and I was also a huge, huge fan of Brendan Cahill's issue, issue 22. Um, the, uh, the big Primus reveal uh, with the Cybertrons, but uh, particularly what I think Brendan does best for me is all the characters. Uh, so some beautiful faces, particularly farmers, I thought. Uh, some great expressions there. Um, but also some great action scenes um, and some just beautiful composed panels. I just I don't know. I really like uh, I really like uh, Brendan Stalva. Um, it was just flawless. I didn't. There wasn't a single panel where I just kind of thought this doesn't really work for me. Um, and yeah, I think I'll, I'll leave it there and let you guys get a word in. Uh, yeah, I, I, I am uh, very much enjoying the Crucible. I don't 
uh, you know, some quibbles here and there with how stuff's handled, but that's kind of all been down to compression. I think maybe there's one or two issues that where some of the exposition could have been offloaded into, but it's fine. This is what we've got. What we've got is good. And yeah, i got to say, we've got four, four artists here and um, they're all top of their game. And just the lovely continuity with the colors. And did you say this on mic? Um, but how, uh, how the colors change, how Joanna is able to um, fit the style of who she's working with um, really well. So things look, uh, they look like they all belong in the same world, but they, they don't, they're not pushing against the art. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just how hard must this be to draw? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about EJ Sue hasn't drawn a Transformers comic in in years. Yeah, like he, he, he said, like the only one he was, the only character he was familiar with was uh, Cyclonus. Yeah, he's still got, like, his design, more or less, isn't it? Yeah, and he's got like twenty to thirty new characters who are all in. They're all doing stuff. They're doing like difficult stuff as well, and they're all different sizes, and he keeps that. Mostly, there's a couple of panels here and there, but jeez, um, yeah, like new ships and drawing the lost light, and it's uh, it's and also not just like you've got to draw. Okay, you've got to draw Hound, who he's not drawn before, and now you've got to draw Hound as a Spark Eater, who looks like Hound but doesn't. Um, yeah, really, um, yeah, above and beyond. You kind of imagine. Uh, you would sort of, you would refuse this out of hand if you weren't some kind of superhuman. Which EJ Sue is. That's what seems to be. Superhuman. He's one of the guiding hands <laughs> of planet Earth. Um, He's draw, draw man, draw us. Can I interject? Uh, Just because, uh, because we're talking about EJ Sue, something I wanted to point out. In case of colors issue, so this is issue 20. Uh, the very first page, top right panel, it's the Spark Eaters trying to break into the uh, um, Madiri uh, room. Mm -hmm. um, and I can't imagine this was accidental. It's a direct, I'm, I'm sure it's a direct reference to EJ Sue's panel from All Hell Megatron 7 of the swarm trying to break into the facility. Uh... It's a smaller panel, but it's almost the same. Yeah, because that was a big splash page, wasn't That's it? a beautiful, beautiful EJ Sue page with so much detail on that. It was uh, like it always uh, stood out because uh, he didn't draw the whole of all Hill Megaton. It was just the one issue that he did. And mm. I, I just remember that page very clearly because he posted the lines for it as well. And um, uh, there was a lot of, uh, sort of uh, praise for it. And um, this looks like it's almost identical. Um, sort of... Um, Casey kind of, I think it's a, it's not a copy. I'm pretty sure it's like an homage. I know Casey thinks highly of uh, of EJ. As, as we all do. Uh, are you finished, Tom? Or... I'm, I'm finished, Tom. See, <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, if not for the getaway thing underwhelming me a bit, I would absolutely be loving this as well. I think, though, again, there's still three issues left. It's just, if there is some sort of Reproachment with the crew that gets handled well before the end. And from the way James has talked on Twitter, I'm going to be thinking of the last issue. 
is going to be more sort of sleepily light style. Pretty bad title's already been used for something, really. That'd be a great title for a final issue. But it's a, a sort of sleepily light style, quieter final issue with a lot of talking and introspection. So hopefully it's all that will give a chance to some sort of wrap up for the other characters. So I may look back more fondly on the getaway stuff if that gets handled better later on. Uh, but other than that uh, well-documented disappointment, yeah, I mean, this is all absolutely on fire, isn't it? It's uh, rushing along, all the backstory, even if the exhibition is a bit heavy, or it all makes sense how all the dominoes are falling. There's some interesting new mysteries here right at the end that will hopefully uh, lead to some interesting uh, stuff in the finale we weren't expecting. Uh, it just... Oh, I'm making Tom yawn now. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> uh, it all feels very much on point, apart, apart from that one getaway thing. Apart from that one getaway thing as well, it feels like it's all been very carefully planned in advance. But, you know, this is not something where he's having to rush him out and go, oh shit, I've got to wrap it up, what can I do? But it might be that, is what is happening, but he's hiding it well if it is. And it just absolutely is zigging, you know, with the art, you know, EJC. We all love EJC. More EJC, I say. He drew it on a tablet, like the one I'm holding. It's like that bit in Iron Man where uh, Jeff Bridges go, when uh, Tony Stark made this in a cave. EJC wrote this on a tablet. Uh, not wrote it, drew it on a tablet. And that is insane. Probably using his fingers or tongue or something. It's an extraordinary uh, bit of work. And uh, Love of Brendan stuff as well. It, I do. It's, it's, it, I mean, obviously, he's doing Unicron, so he's up to his art bits in that. So it's almost a shame we're not getting a final Alex issue in the final arc. Because uh, his Primus would have been pretty extraordinary. But, uh, you know, you, I can't complain about what we have got. It's all uh, very good. And uh, I know we've not talked about Casey and Jack as much, but their, their stuff works as well. Uh, I don't, uh, no real... Real issues for me with any of the uh, the visual stuff. Uh, so yeah, all all excited for what is to come, and and who knows what early nineteen nineties children's BBC show James Roberts will be ripping the plot off from next. That's what I'm excited <laughs> to find out. You know, the, the Owl Service. <laughs> Through the Dragon's Eye could literally be anything. Oh, I remember through the Dragon's Eye with the dragon. And the yeah, you went, they went through his eye. It was a... the man got melted. A man got melted ah, in that. Don't remind me, Tom. That's upset me. <laughs> that was educational as well. Yeah, we learned to read. If you don't learn man. to read, a dragon will melt you. Man oh. was purple or something. I don't know. It's a long time ago. I just at least the other one. We all. Man, let's not talk about. We've done no, talked no. about not his children's TV now. <laughs> let, let, let's wrap up this podcast. We should. So, Marion, I ask you this every time, and every time you react with disappointment that you know you're not doing anything, but I believe you are doing something this time. So, uh, what are you up to at the moment? And uh, what is your Twitter handle? Well, Stuart, I am going to go get my hair done in a minute. Does that count? Um, my, <laughs> my Twitter handle is uh, Morta, 
I have been up to some things. So I've been up to a couple of things. I've been working on my photography website, um, which might be up by the time this podcast goes out or not. Anyway, if you're following me, you will see. I will. I have already softly directed people to it, but very softly and gently. Uh, there's nothing there at the moment, but it's coming. Um, but more importantly, if you're going to be a TF Nation, I, um, I've been doing uh, some fundraising this year. So one of the things that I'm doing at the moment is I'm, I'm, I've been fundraising for different charities. Uh, I am now going to start fundraising for a charity called IDAS. It's a domestic abuse charity in the general Yorkshire area. It's the only refuge for women and children in York. And I am going to be selling uh, greeting card packs. Uh, of uh, some of my Transformers soy photography. They are going to be uh, just five pounds for five greeting cards and the whole, everything you pay towards them will go straight into IDAS. I will have these with me at TF Nation. Um, so please, um, if you see me, just you know, wave me down uh, and I will gladly hand you a pack or two or three or however many you want. If there are any left, which probably would be after TF Nation, I will then uh, make them available online. Uh, it might get a bit more complicated there and you're going to have to pay shipping for them as well, but we'll figure that out when we get there. Uh, it is for a very good cause. I've tried to keep the price low uh, on purpose to make them quite accessible to people. Uh, so please, uh, if you're interested in A, uh, supporting a charity or B, uh, purchasing some nice greeting cards to send your friends with your favorite toy robots on them, uh, then uh, this might be the thing for you. Uh, and uh, that's it for now, but you'll be hearing more about all of this uh, throughout the next few podcasts, maybe. And if you follow Marion on Instagram, you'll have seen her, her photography studio she set up with like reflective <laughs> things on it and stuff as well. It's like it's insanely. He's he's <laughs> taking he's taking the piss, listeners. Uh, it's my windowsill. <laughs> it's a very DIY. I, I was being genuine. <laughs> I don't know what a photography studio looks like. I just assume that was what they look like. I feel, I feel like you lied to me now. Well, uh, Tom, are you, are you? Oh, actually, do you want to mention your uh, just giving page for your mic as well? As well or? Uh, another thing, yes. So another charity that I am uh, doing some fundraising for at the moment um, is Sash in York, uh, which is a charity that helps uh, young people um, um, at risk of uh, homelessness. I am doing a, a famous in the area walk, which is called the Yorkshire Three Peaks. Uh, it's a, it's a long walk. It's a good um, 23 miles, I think, up hills and down three hills. To be spread well, as the name would suggest, it's the Three Peaks. Uh, and the, the aim is to do it in under 12 hours. So I'm also going to be walking, by the way. Um, I'm also going to be doing that. Uh, so if you'd like to sponsor me for this as well, the Just Giving link is on my Twitter. Um, and uh, set as my website, so you can just click on that, and it'll take you straight there. And all and any um, money is uh, going to be very appreciated by people, I'm sure. So, uh, Tom, uh, are you doing for, for charity, or are you just a mercenary whore? Uh, I'm kind of doing something that's neither good nor bad, I guess. Um, I've oh. been uh, uh, doing audio drama workshops um for kids in schools uh, but being paid for it so you know a little bit from column a a little bit from column b um and i've just put the results of one of our workshops up on the our new soundcloud account if you go to red button audio uk you can see what happens when you take a group of uh 
four to kids in year four to six and tell them they can make any story they want so long as it's an audio story and you put, give them some microphones and like a bag of twigs to make sound effects with and uh, they come up with great stuff um it's really endearing uh, they're about five minutes each go take a listen <laughs> that's what stuart's been doing I, i'm just i'm just in awe of your, your work with children there tom <laughs> anyway uh for me, of course, I am a mercenary whore and uh, unashamedly uh, just taking money for myself, for people. So uh, I'm still doing transformation every week. I'm so close to the end now, but like the IDW continuity, I won't quite make the end before TF Nation. Uh, but I am uh, right now in the middle of uh, the final few issues and just about to hit the uh, Megatron Galvatron fight from the end of the US series where we start wrapping up all that stuff. The books are still available, Volume 1 and 2 on Amazon uh, and Lulu.com if you want me to get more of the money. Just uh, search Stuart Webb Transformation on there. Uh, I am bringing some copies to TF Nation, but only as many as people ask for because uh, having met David Tennant, he took all my money off me two weeks ago, so I couldn't really bring any spare copies with me. So it'd be nice if people who haven't asked for a copy, if you could just knock them up and go, ooh, I'd like a copy. So it doesn't depress me because I won't have one for you. But do tell me how great the website is if you're reading it. And uh, all my short stories are still out there as well. And my Twitter handle is at InflatableDalek. I'm actually re-watching Battlestar Galactica at the moment. So you can find out all about Final Five and all the crazy things those guys get up to. And uh, early 90s children's BBC stuff. Uh, if you don't know who the Chuckle Brothers are, you can follow me and learn, like Tom did this week. That's an important educational tool. Uh, of course, two of us are at TF Nation. Tom isn't. Tom is in a school somewhere teaching, teaching children how audio dramas are made in the 1950s with, with the twigs. You never know, do it like that anymore, Tom. It's to move on a bit. It's always <laughs> time for a bag of twigs. <laughs> it's uh, all sound desks now and playing in audio and foley work, uh, I imagine. I'm telling you how to make audio drama, that's terrible. <laughs> but uh, two of us are at TF Nation, so if you see us there, come and say hello. I know a few of our listeners are going to be there. And uh, get Marion's postcards and uh, pat me on the head and tell me how great I am. That's uh, the two things you have to do. <laughs> pat Marion on the head and tell her she's great as well, actually, if you like. But uh, buy her postcards, that's the important thing. And that's all from us this week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. And um, if you're a god in disguise, uh, keep it to yourself. <laughs>